खिलाफत के अमी हम हैं अमानत हम संभालेंगे जो नेमत छिन वी बिलीव इन इक्वेलिटी ऑफ ह्यूमन बीइंग्स इन द रूल ऑफ लॉ एंड वी आर अगेंस्ट ऑल टाइप्स ऑफ ऑपरेशन वेलकम टू द एमकेए यूएसए वाइब रन बाय मजलिस कुदामल अहमदिया यूएसए America's oldest and largest Muslim male youth organization. We're here to share a weekly recap of the latest in Friday sermons, speeches, lessons from our respected imams and wisdom from different sources. Khalifa ke labon se jo gulo jo har bikharte hain I have just recited before you from chapter 23 verse 1 to 15 Allah Almighty says in the name of Allah the gracious the merciful surely success does come to the believers who are number 1 humble in their prayers number 2 who shun all that which is vain number 3 who are active in paying the zakat number 4 and who guard their chastity except from their wives or what their right hands possess for then they are not to be blamed but those who seek anything beyond that are transgressors number 5 and who are watchful of their trusts and their covenants and number 6 and who are strict in the observance of their prayers these are the heirs who will inherit paradise they will abide therein right after this allah almighty now mentions the seven or the six steps in the creation of man um, from when the very beginning until the birth of a child allah almighty says verily we created man from an extract of clay then we placed him as a drop of sperm in a safe depository then we fashioned the sperm into a clot then we fashioned the clot into a shapeless lump then we fashioned bones out of this shapeless lump then we clothed the bones with flesh then we developed it into another creation so blessed be allah the best of creators Here Allah Almighty has mentioned six steps in our spiritual journey and then followed it with six steps in our physical birth as well. This means that if we wish to truly be rejuvenated and have a new life in the sight of Allah Almighty, it is necessary that we pass through these six steps. Just like if we want a healthy baby to be born, it has to pass through the same six steps in the right way. and this is what we have when a woman is is pregnant and has 9 months of her pregnancy throughout those 9 months it is these six steps until finally allah almighty has the birth of the child and there is a new life and a new creation in light of this i wanted to highlight a few things about ramadan and how in this month we try our best to make ourselves better people I want us to remember that we should not try only for one month. This is not an on and off switch. The day Ramadan starts, we turn it on. On the day of Eid, we turn it off. It should not be that way. But I also know that the intensity of Ramadan, it cannot be replicated any other place because Ramadan is very special. Allah Almighty through the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam again i'll remind you everybody should say sallallahu alaihi wasallam very loudly i'm sure all of you are saying it but sometimes our children will not know that you are saying it 
or they will see their uncle is not saying it, or their grandfather is not saying it, even though we know you are saying it. When you say it loud enough, then they will all see you, and we will all be able to take benefit in that prayer. So as I was saying regarding the Holy Prophet Muhammad, that he has said that Satan, during this month, he is chained, he is shackled. What that means is that this gives us an opportunity to work very hard towards spirituality. It becomes very easy. The whole ummah starts to work. Look, we are all here today, mashallah. Why? We are here because Allah Almighty has made a way for us to be here. He has made it easier for us to focus on our prayers, the Holy Quran, everything. Some people make accusation that, oh, you know, we are active only Ramadan. After Ramadan, you will see it's dead again. I want us to understand why this happens. And somebody, there's a missionary of mine, or one of my very close friends who gave this illustration. He said, Ramadan is just like the time of the Holy Prophet Muhammad The intensity that the Sahaba had at his, during his life, was here, 100%. But after he passed away, it declined. Just like after Ramadan, it will also decline. But the key question is, were those Sahaba better before or after? That's the key question. Remember, many of those Sahaba were such who didn't drink, they didn't fornicate, they didn't do any of those bad things. They were good people at heart. Hazrat Abu Bakr was a good person at heart. Hazrat Umar was a good person. He never drank. But were they better before the coming of the Holy Prophet Muhammad or after? And there's no doubt about it, it was after. The same should be our case with Ramadan. Are we better before Ramadan or after? So whatever you are doing now, I understand the intensity is 100. And after Ramadan, you may come down to 50. But you should not come down to 20 where you were before Ramadan. Increase it somewhere. And next year again, Ramadan will come and you will increase it again. And eventually, after a few years, you will already be at 90%. You will not need to come down much. But this happens over time. So this Ramadan, while you are struggling to come for Salat and bringing other people and coming for Fajr, coming for Isha, reading the Holy Quran, writing to, the, to our beloved Khalifa, all of these things when you're doing them, keep them in the back of your mind that I will continue some of these when I finish Ramadan. I will not give them up. That's a very key question, key point here. Now among these six steps, I want to cover three of them as much as quickly as I can. As I will have to go over time, so I hope you don't mind. There's some points I wanted to convey to each Jamaat, and you are the last one, so I want to definitely convey before we start the next topic next week. The first point in this spiritual journey for us is The word khashi'un or khushu is similar in the, in the Urdu and Arabic as tazarra, meaning humbleness. It is crucial that we are humble in our prayer. Just yesterday in Long Island, somebody asked, why does it say humble in prayer? Why not humble in life? And the answer I gave him was because in the prayer, when you are alone at 3 in the morning, nobody else in this world is there. At that time, when you are sincerely humble, then you will be humble in the rest of your life as well. It cannot be In front of people, it's very easy to be humble, huh? Put your head down. Somebody offer you food. You say, no, it's okay. It's easy to do that. But sincerely being humble in the prayer alone, when it's between you and God alone, that time being humble is where it matters the most. 
This is why Allah Almighty starts off with, be humble in your prayer. The promised Messiah has said, even if you don't shed tears, spend some time, even if they are fake tears, let them run. After some time, they will be real tears. Same happens when we look at people you know, who go to AA meetings, intoxicated. Somebody who has never drank a beer before, he will not get drunk after one sip. Or somebody who drinks a lot, he will not be drunk after one sip. We all know this. What will happen? He will have to keep drinking more and more until he gets drunk. He gets the buzz. Why is that important? The Promised Messiah said, the same applies in our life with prayer. If you don't feel the effects after the first prayer, you pray again. If you still don't feel it, pray again. Like it is, you're making yourself drunk in the love of Allah Almighty. So that is the key here. So when it talks about humbleness, the other part of humbleness I want to highlight is that after a few days, sometimes we start prayer, we start to read the prayer, we are coming for Fajr, right away Satan comes into our mind and he starts to tell us, why are not other people coming? And you start to call some people, why are you not coming? Why are you not coming? You start to tell yourself indirectly that I am doing this great work, I am coming for Fajr. That is an attack from Satan. Because after the fifth day, that person stops coming also. He finds despair, nobody else is coming, why should I come? So when we are going in our spiritual journey, the reason Allah Almighty says, humble in your prayer, because humbleness to yourself. That spiritual journey you have has to be with yourself. Don't compare other people, forget everybody in the world. Focus on your own self-analysis. This is what our beloved Khalifa has been directing us over and over. Look at your prayers. Look at your connection with Allah. Look at your connection and your love for the Holy Prophet Muhammad Look at your love for the Promised Messiah Look at your love for the Khalifa. This is crucial in your spiritual journey. The Promised Messiah has said that some people become arrogant after a few days of prayer, fasting or zakat. Azur said that we should especially pay attention to this in the month of Ramadan. It was Satan who showed arrogance against Adam and as a result was rejected by God. In reality, this is the fate of every arrogant person. Therefore, we should look towards the example of humility of Prophet Adam who prayed in the following words. Just imagine, these are the words of a Prophet in his prayers. He says, رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا وَإِلَّمْ تَغْفِرْ لَنَا وَتَرْحَمْنَا لَنَكُونَنَا مِنْ خَاسِرِينَ He says, Our Lord, we have wronged ourselves. Remember, this is the prayer of Hazrat Adam salam. He said, Our Lord, we have wronged ourselves, and if Thou forgive us not, and have not mercy on us, we shall surely be of the lost. The second stage is, And that is those who stay away from everything that is vain and useless. Anything that's completely waste of time, they stay away from it. Two examples I will share with you. One for the youth, and one for our elders. For the youth... Sometimes we are watching TV. Look at what you are watching. How much benefit does it give you? There are some channels, for example, Discovery Channel, a very useful channel. There are others that are completely useless. We have to be very, very careful what channels we are looking at. That's number one. Number two, for adults. I have seen, and unfortunately I have been given this report as well, that even during a takaf, some of our elders, they will just start talking about politics. Whether it's politics in America, Ghana, or Pakistan, they would just start and for hours and upon hours they will be talking about these politics. 
That is useless talk. It's not going to change if you talk about it here. The corruption that's back home is there for a long time. So let's not waste our time in that. This is also part of our spiritual journey. This is the step we have to take, is shunning those things that are useless, talking about those that are useful. The third step is, That those of them who pay their zakat regularly. Now one thing I want to make very clear is that zakat is an umbrella in the Holy Quran, and it covers all money that you spend in the way of Allah. Zakat means to purify. I'll give you an example. You bring a cow here, and you, you want to make him purified to eat. Huh? What do you do? You have to cut him the right way. Make him halal. Then he is purified. You may eat him. What about your money? You bring money home, but how do you purify it? Allah says, you give some to Allah. The rest is purified now. It's clean, it's pure. Then you may spend it as you wish. That's the key here. Now when we talk about spending in the way of Allah, I just want to highlight a little bit about our financial sacrifice, the system we have for our sacrifices. In the Holy Quran, Allah Almighty says, A'udhu billahi min shaitan al-rajim Alladheena yunfiquna amwalahum billayli wa nahari sirran wa alaniyatan falahum ajruhum inda rabbihim wa la khawfun alayhim wa la hum yahzanun Those who spend their wealth by night and day, secretly and openly, have their reward with their Lord. On them shall come no fear, nor shall they grieve. Regarding this, I have three quotes. Two of them I wish, with your permission, I would like to read the original Urdu text from the promised Messiah, then I will translate it. The first is, یہ ظاہر ہے کہ تم دو چیزوں سے محبت نہیں کر سکتے اور تمہارے لیے ممکن نہیں کہ مال سے بھی محبت کرو اور خدا سے بھی صرف ایک سے محبت کر سکتے ہو پس خوش قسمت وہ شخص ہے کہ خدا سے محبت کرے اور اگر کوئی تم میں سے خدا سے محبت کر کے اس کی راہ میں مال خرچ کرے گا تو میں یقین رکھتا ہوں کہ اس کے مال میں بھی دوسروں کی نسبت زیادہ برکت دی جائے گی کیونکہ مال خود بخود نہیں آتا بلکہ خدا کے ارادے سے آتا ہے پس جو شخص خدا کے لیے بعض حصہ مال کا چھوڑتا ہے وہ ضرور اسے پائے گا لیکن جو شخص مال سے محبت کر کے خدا کی راہ میں وہ خدمت بجا, بجا نہیں لاتا جو بجا لانی چاہیے تو وہ ضرور اس مال کو کھوئے گا یہ مت خیال کرو کہ مال تمہاری کوشش سے آتا ہے بلکہ خدا تعالیٰ کی طرف سے آتا ہے اور یہ مت خیال کرو کہ تم کوئی حصہ حصہ مال کا دے کر یا کسی اور رنگ سے کوئی خدمت بجا لا کر خدا تعالیٰ اور اس کے فرستادہ پر کچھ احسان کرتے ہو بلکہ یہ اس کا احسان ہے کہ تمہیں اس خدمت کے لیے بلاتا ہے that you cannot love two things at the same time. It is not possible for you to love wealth as well as to love Allah. You can love only one of them. Lucky is he who loves Allah. If any of you loves him and spends his or her wealth in his cause, I am certain that his or her wealth will increase more than that of others. For wealth doesn't come by itself. Rather, it comes by Allah's will. Whoever parts with some of his wealth for the sake of Allah, 
will surely get it back. But he who loves his wealth and doesn't serve in the way of Allah as he should will surely lose his wealth. Do not ever imagine that your wealth comes of your own effort. No, it comes from Allah Almighty. And do not ever imagine that you do a favor to Allah or His appointed one by offering your money or helping in any other way. Rather, it is His favor upon you that He calls you to this service. We have heard in our, even within the U.S. government, it says, do not ask what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. This is actually the truth. Is Do not ask what the Jamaat can do for you. Ask what you can do for the Jamaat. What you can do for the Khalifa. What you can do for Islam. And that involves every aspect and every kind of sacrifice. We always must remember that. The second one I will also read in the original text. He said, I said, موافک تو پھر کیا یہ سلسلہ جو اتنی عظیم و شان اغراض کے لیے خدا تعالیٰ نے قائم کی ہے قائم کیا ہے اس لائق بھی نہیں کہ وہ اس کے لیے چند پیسے بھی قربان کر سکے The promised Messiah علیہ السلام says hundreds of people pledge allegiance to me each day but when you inquire of them there are few indeed who pay their chanda regularly on a monthly basis there are few indeed who pay their chanda on a regular basis, on a monthly basis. What more can we expect from one who doesn't help this movement with a little money according to his capacity? He said there are people, even if they are very, very poor, every month they will go and buy something for themselves and for their children. What is it that in this movement, which is established by Allah for great purposes, is it not worthy enough that you should sacrifice even a little bit for it? This is a key eye-opener for us. These are the words of the Promised Messiah, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. This is somebody who has been appointed by God Almighty. And he is sharing his frustration with us from 130 years ago. Sometimes we think back. You know the chanda record they used to have? Even I look at early countries, the islands, or even in America. Early chanda records in America was this family sent $1. This family sent $3. They have done great sacrifice. And whatever 2 or 3 or maybe $20 they would collect, that's how the whole Jamaat was running in America. And sometimes when we look at it, we think back, oh, if only we were there, we could give them more. Well, you are here today. The Khalifa is here today. Sometimes we read stories of Hazrat Abu Bakr. We think he gave everything in his home. What a wonderful story. He beat Hazrat Umar. But we don't think about how that applies to us today. We think, oh, if we were there, we would help Hazrat Abu Bakr. You have an Abu Bakr here today. He's in London. Don't doubt it. He's a Khalifa of Islam. The Khalifa of Allah. The last quote I'll read is from Khalifa Rabi, the fourth Khalifa. I'll read just the English. Since we're short on time. He said, I have announced again and again that if someone is unable to pay the chanda in keeping with the prescribed rate, he should clearly so, say so. 
and should tell us about his circumstances. Khalifatul Masih can grant remission in Chandayam. And I openly promise that whoever honestly thinks that he is not up to the mark and that he should be granted remission, he shall be granted remission. But do not lie to God. It should not be that God gives you millions and you pay your chanda on the basis of hundreds of thousands. And you say that He has only given you that much. Do you think that God forgets what He has given you? God forbid. He doesn't know what you are paying back. He who has given you is aware of secrets of the hearts and has knowledge of all hidden intentions. Last part I wish to mention is that <clears throat> two years ago when I went to meet our beloved Hazur, I mentioned to him, you know, being on the island, we're so far away, we feel almost disconnected with Ahmadiyyat, the whole world really. So Hazur, please pray for us. So Hazur laughed at me and said, look, you're on the island, you have nothing else to do except prayer and connection with Allah, so you work on it. What are you worried about? You have nothing to worry about. Of course, I smiled and laughed, but you know, I felt something inside. After a few minutes, you know, we went, took a picture, I'm about to leave, and all of a sudden, something changed in the room. And Hazur put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, remember this, Allah is watching you. It was as if he's looking through my soul, really. And he said it in simple words. We've always heard this. Allah is watching us. We know this. But the way he said it, and the impact it had, I cannot put it in words. And I want to share that impact with you. Imagine Allah is watching you. When you are filling out your W-2 forms and your tax return forms, you know what you are writing there. There's no mystery there, how much income you have after taxes. That is what is expected for your chanda. It's not you take your mortgage out also, you take your car pay, you take everything out and whatever is left for your grocery bill, you write that as your chanda. That's not how it works. It's after taxes, unless there's any specific insurance that you're required to pay. But after taxes, whatever your income is, that is where your chanda record budget is made. Together. And I'll share with you a story from the islands. There was a man, and I saw this with my own eyes. He spent a whole year collecting cans because he heard that one, at the end of the year, whenever you want, you can submit your cans, you will get money. So he said, great. Every Jamaat event, you'll collect whatever cans we have. Kept collecting and kept them. Whole year went by. The end of the year happened to be the month of Tariqa Jadid. And he knew that we were pushing for Chanda. So he said, Imam, I'm going to go and that's it, I'm going to cash out. I'm going to bring everything for this, these cans. So he took many bags, three or four bags, I believe. Took them, cashed them out, came straight to the masjid. Or when he came straight to the masjid, he hands me $10. So this is my chanda. So I asked him, how much did you get from the cans? He said, $30. Just imagine, he got $30 after a year of work. A year of work, he got $30. And he gave 10 towards them. Not one, not two, not 10 cents, not five cents. One-third of his income for that whole year from those cans he gave to the Jumat for Chanda for the sake of Allah Almighty. This is an example for these are poor people who don't have any food to eat. He told me another story which I have not shared with any other Jamaat. He said one day a person came to him and asking him, you know, I'm very hungry, can you give me a can of food? And he says, just that week or that day, I believe, or the day before, we learned about the example of the Holy Prophet Muhammad <laughs> and how he would give people food. Whenever they come to that, he would give it to them without thinking. He said, this man came, he insisted. 
First he asked for money, sorry. He asked for money, he said, I didn't have any money. Then he specifically asked for canned food. He said, I had one can left. He said, I remembered the example of our Master Prophet Muhammad. He said, so I came, I gave him the can, I said, okay Allah, it's for you now. So I had no food. He said, Imam, I, I am not exaggerating. Within an hour, one of my relatives shows up at my house. We start talking. After about 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes, she's about to leave. She says, oh, I forgot to give you something. I brought something specially for you. Brings a box full of canned food. And he was so blown away, he called me right away. He said, come, I have to tell you something that just happened now. He said, I gave it because the example of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. And look, look, I have a whole can. I don't even know what to do with them now. These are examples. These are not mysteries. These are not from 100 years ago. I'm telling you this just for less than a year ago. These stories were happening. In this world, I have seen them with my own eyes. So when it comes to sacrifice, don't assume that when we are giving to Allah, it is either going this way or going there, or it's going to be lost, it's going to be missed. When you give it to Allah Almighty, He will give it to you in return, inshallah. Khalifa ke se jo gulo You've been listening to the MKA Vibe by Majlis Qudam al USA, America's oldest and largest Muslim male youth organization. Subscribe to get more of our weekly recap of the latest in Friday sermons, speeches, Lessons from our respected Imams and wisdom from different sources. Tweet us your ideas and thoughts at Muslim Youth USA.